Hey, cold open here again. Um, it's uh, it's Billy Wayne. You guys missed a fun Q and A we did yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, so you just chill out. All right, just enjoy the time before the tomorrow times. So, but you did miss a really fun Q and A. Uh, so get in on that second tier of Patreon. Also, get in on that first tier. If you get on the second tier, you also get the first tier. But if, hey, it's cash strap times, just get on the first tier. You got a Ron Funches BWD interview coming up, which is, uh, which is, it's, it's really great. It's very, very great. And Ron Funches is the voice that you're about to hear on this. Also, please hit subscribe and rate us. That really helps the thing. We're about to start selling ads where we can make money and it's going to get better and better. So the more you guys help, the more the, the more you're going to get. So God damn it, help us out. Now light this up. Here's that theme song. Relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. I always have to mime the laugh because I hear it in my head so much. I love that laugh. That's a good laugh to have stuck in your head, man. It's nice. I mean, I'm sure once dementia sets in from all the you know weird things I've sprayed in small garages in my early growing days, <laughs> and that laugh just echoes in my head as I'm in uh, old people's home. It'll be a little scary. That sounds fun, too. <laughs> That's way better than anything else I've ever heard in an <clears throat> old folks' home. I think it'd be also dope. Also, Redbeard, he sent, a, he sent us a... I don't know if you saw it in the grown local dms maybe it was just in my dms that he was just so proud to be in the theme song his <laughs> laugh. And i was like man you're too you're so dope dude we had to put you in he's like ah he's like i'm very proud and i was like ah you're the sweetest man i mean so shout out to Redbeard. two years in two or three years in hopefully we'll have like little stuffed animals of red beard to give out to people um i think that'd be don't, cool don't no that's we can make Redbeard do that. He needs to get paid for that. Oh yeah, not that'd us. Be cool. Yeah, let's get him paid. We'll make him get do Redbeard that. Paid. I'll take yeah. a a, <laughs> a life size one. <laughs> this is a nice little pillow, buddy. We could make. I mean, there are enough craft people in Humboldt. We could make a life size Redbeard for you. I think it'd be cool. Oh, man, I hope some listener is already drawing it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, we are, what we're doing on this episode is a little different. We went to the back end. This is the last episode we did on that last trip. Yeah. It's the last interview. Not the last episode. last interview we did. So, if we sound a little cuckoo and a little, like, <laughs> at our wit's end, it's, it's, like, for good reason. And we're not, we've just been, we've been overwhelmed with the Humboldt. <laughs> putting in all the hours but yes we're doing the last episode because it was one of the easier sound quality ones just to inform you guys on the upcoming episodes and how much of a crazy adventure they are Slee just has to put time in 
you know, making sure that it gets the sound quality in because there was like crazy wind storms on this farm and just all this insane shit. So it's good episodes coming down. It's like farming. Like recording these is and then put them together is like farming because you're gonna be like, Man, the wind was bad, dude. Um so some of the shit got blown away. So we told Slee and he's like, Oh man, this is we're like, Yeah, it was it was wind. But then he's also no, he's, going to take the wind and chop it up and use auto tune on it for different uh, songs. So. I don't think you know how any of it works. I, I don't. Not even close. I uh, I had fun yesterday though. We did the Q and A. That was so much fun. We actually we had that out. Oh, tons of people asking questions. And I got to nerd out and everything. So that was fun too. I like when they they feel bad that they haven't asked me anything, and they're like, "So, Billy, you're funny. What's comedy like?" And you're just like, "You guys, I appreciate that. I appreciate That's that. Sweet. You don't have to." Do you I'm like chunky too. or creamy peanut butter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's. I I appreciate it. It makes me feel good. But you guys, it's we can just hear from Mike. I get it. If you want to know how I smoke and stuff like that, I can do that. But. I, I'm just saying we're having fun. It was so much um, fun. I'm, I can't believe how many people showed up to it, and it's like the hungry, ravenous listeners, and we appreciate you guys so much for being so interested in all this shit. Well, it's just good to be like, oh, good, because people, other people feel like this. Yeah. I mean, so many times in my life, I've seen just people's eyes glaze over when I start talking about cannabis. So the fact that people are like, no, tell me more. I was like, yeah. It's like we're in the right direction. We're heading in the right direction, America. <laughs> Let's ride it through. <laughs> but Br- Brad is a, he was, Redbeard hooked us up with Brad. He was like, you guys will like Brad. And he was right. Brad was rad. Um, I didn't mean to rhyme. It happens. I just, I'm just talented. And, w- and we ain't sad. Uh, nope, we weren't sad. Brad was rad, and it was thanks. So Dad. different going from where we were be where we had been for like two or three days in the in the South Humboldt Hills, and then driving back up to Eureka to his house in his garage. Like there was like a part of it where I was like huh oh yeah and then like his whole thing was like it was just his experience in cannabis was just not like anybody else's and not even from like a i think he ended up growing for himself and he gets into that but like his experience was just like kind of like as a i guess you would say the worker yeah i don't want to be offensive no, no, it's not offensive. I mean, honestly, you know, there's a whole spectrum of, you know, the cannabis industry and different people. But, like, he literally just reminds me of, like, the go-to journeyman in cannabis where it's like, hey, I got this job. Can you do it? And he's like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And it's literally through the course of the interview a crazy amount of different jobs that he does yeah and he works his way up on the list of all of the different things that you can actually do in cannabis where he's just like oh that needed to be done yeah i'll do that and it what you're exactly right he was just like yeah he's the guy on the team you're like hey i know yesterday you played first base but 
you got to play shortstop today. And he's like, okay, cool, man. Can I borrow somebody's shortstop club? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's the shortstop for like two months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, yeah, he did have that vibe too where you're just like, I want you to be on the team. He's like, all right, I'll be on the team. What we need done? Yeah. Can you... Can you dive underwater? He's like, yeah, I have my diving license. He's like, of course you do. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, it's it's cool to see the this is like the originators of like you know mountain farming. Like you know, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but like even his jobs that he had in the cannabis industry, I've been doing it for years, and it's like I didn't know that was a part of growing cannabis. And it's like, no, it was only a part for a very small time when we were really at fucking war with camp. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Though that was there's like several parts where you're just like, oh yeah. So why don't you do that anymore? He's like, oh, we don't have to do that. You're like, oh. Yeah, no, because there's some stuff he did where you're just like, just if you have certain f- just phobias, just like certain fears, you'd be like, I don't know if you could do that. I'm you crazy. <laughs> He's like, no, you just do the thing, strap on. You're like, what are you? Where? <laughs> I just met your nice wife, and you're talking about your kids. You doing some wacky stuff? But yeah, and he's taught. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a good one. I mean, I've just, uh, I feel like it's not more, it's just really dope. Sleek can edit out me tripping over my fucking words. But yeah, it's just such a dope episode. I love the story. Don't edit. (laughs) Don't edit it out. I have to look cool for the listeners. Don't edit it out. No, but it was a great episode, and I really enjoyed meeting him. He just kind of, I'm very partial to blue-collar lifestyle and the life that I grew up in, and he just reminds me of a bunch of my friends' dads who are like, yeah, I just do the job and, you know, whatever. I'll take care of my kids, and I like to have a nice, chill life. It was, yes, he was, like, I mean, that is the thing that's, they were, everyone we talked to though was happy. Yeah. I mean, they, like they have problems like everyone else and like frustrations, but they were all very content in a way that I think that that's the more and more I think about the second trip is like that's what it was all like. That was the vibe you got. We're like, this is like you guys are into this thing, and it's it's about it's it's. You've realized that this plant can give you exactly what you put in, which is really cool to to start hearing every side of it. <laughs> I d- yeah, there's like two parts where I just keep wanting to say, but it'll it it'll spoil. It, shut up, Billy! Damn. Just say the thing, Mike. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Brad McCabe. week 
that this is Southern Humboldt seems to be like the real epicenter of where it started and who was really been at the forefront of the like I guess the front lines is a better way to put it yeah I, I mean as far as what I understand and in terms of the Northern California kind of uh, outdoor yeah growing situation my personal history yeah let's um I was born in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And yeah. Several so my f- people <laughs> we've interviewed. <laughs> Speaking of goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful place. Yeah, yes, it is. Definitely. Um, and I found myself here coming to Humboldt County in 1990, going to Hartwood Institute, which is in Southern Humboldt. And okay. I don't know if anyone's mentioned Hartwood to you guys or not. But no, what is that? It um, it no longer is what it was when I first came, but it was a massage therapy and other um, alternative kind of some esoteric uh, therapies school, mm. which um, at the time was the only one in the country that you would actually live at. Because it's so secluded. Yeah. <laughs> not, not in the hills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what drew drew me here. I came here to go study massage. Nice. At Hartwood. And that was in 1990. And that is, um, that's right, literally in sight of the center of the Emerald Triangle. Uh-huh. So Island Mountain and Island Mountain Ranch is to the east. And uh, Mendocino County and Bell Springs Road is to the south and to the west um, of where we are, and then Alder Point to the north. Yes. Which is all on fire subsequently this summer. Yes. But, um, we rough summer. <laughs> yeah, we <were> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's been kind of personally difficult for us this year because we we were just up and then watching, we're like, oh, all the, pe- all all the just, people we care about. Or just like, just making yeah. sure everybody's, we're just on Instagram being like, making sure people are okay. It's well, been, Eugene had a tough time this summer, too. I know. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still coughing out ash a lot of smoke. Yeah, yeah, we got some some of that, but not as bad as you guys yeah. got. They, they literally yeah. said we were off the charts as far as air quality. They're like, we don't know how this is going to affect humans. So congratulations. Wow. wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway... Um, that's where Hartwood is, is in the, right in the center of the Emerald Triangle, quote-unquote. <laughs> so uh, I um, ended up back there not long after finishing massage school to teach uh, mm-hmm. at Hartwood. And so um, really, in the, you know, the, the, the short of the long story is that I ended up for 10 years in Southern Humble in that neighborhood and then started having kids. And um, when my first child was born and started getting old enough to need to go to school is when I decided to move to Northern Humboldt, because mainly because I didn't want her to have to ride the bus several hours a day. I think <laughs> from where I was living, the bus ride was close to an hour and a half each direction Jesus. Um, for the kids going to public school. And if it wasn't a I, bus I ride... That. It was that, like an hour. Yeah. 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 An hour in the and, morning. And, Depending and, and, on the, yeah, who got picked up and who didn't. Well, right. Yeah. And if it's not that, the parents are, are driving you. Yes. Or, exactly. or a, a, you know, carpool of, of parents. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, the schools don't have the best reputation in Southern Humboldt, and especially if you compare it to the ones in Northern Humboldt. So I ended up um, getting property in Trinidad. 
Gotcha. At the end of the 90s. Um, and so, let's see, by the time my uh, second, my youngest was born, which was 99, I was up here. And okay. So, uh, just to go back, though, when you first moved from Boulder down there to go to school, like, was it was known as a cannabis place, right? Sure. So, by then, in 1990, was... Uh, the 80s were the Reagan years, yeah. right? The war on drugs was Just started so you know. by, Ronald, by Ronald Reagan <laughs> yeah. and, and his wonderful wife, Nancy. <laughs> as a, you know, I think a, a lot of it is a, is a political um, tool. Yes. Um, but anyway, aside from all of those sordid details, um, when I showed up in 1990, where I, there where Hartwood is, in, is located is in the middle of a neighborhood called Palo Verde Ranch. That's 40-acre parcels um, split down from a 2,000 or so acre ranch. Yeah. And um, Hartwood was had, I think, four or five of those parcels, 160, couple hundred acres oh, altogether. Yeah. And then um, all around in that neighborhood are these 40-acre parcels, and it was far enough away from town where people didn't really worry about building permits too much <laughs> so um uh it's kind of was like the wild west in some ways and um camp was going strong in 1990 so camp was the campaign against marijuana planning which was a federally run um uh federally program funded, program. Uh, funded yes. that's right yes. and run at first by the military uh, and then it got um, changed. It changed over the years, and the funding stayed federal, but it started being uh, piped into the local, uh, the sheriff's department, and uh, things like that. So um, helicopters were common. Yeah. At that time, you're just going to school, and helicopters are going by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So by uh, <laughs> let's see, the mid '90s, probably '93, I started getting side jobs. Because I had come back, I, I went to school and then came back as an instructor yeah. at Hartwood. wasn't making uh, the best um, money. I imagine was doing that, side that, jobs. Yeah, that a school like that stuff, isn't the best. Yeah, mm -hmm. which was labor. Yeah, and yeah. so at that point, all the growing was in the shade, under um, canopy of tree, tree cover. Gotcha. And so all the work that needed to be done was, you know, it, it was pretty common to spend. Um, hundreds of man hours pruning trees, thinning them out, so that there was really just kind of one layer of leaf uh, between the sky and the ground, um, and it would create a dappled sunlight. Yeah. So, so there were certain species that work better than others, and we were in tan oak a lot. So, I got hired to do a lot of tree climbing and clipping for a few years there in the 90s in these shade gardens where there'd be thousands of plants and they would be scattered throughout, kind of gorilla grown throughout the woods. And we um, would <laughs> go from garden to garden and clip and <laughs> clip and clean all the brush out and then, um, and then turn the bags and put fresh fertilizer yeah. in all the grow bags. And they each had their own little water system and, um, it you know became that I wasn't just a laborer. I began to be a manager of 
those kinds of of gross scenes all through the 90s all outdoor stuff um yeah. but somewhere during that point people started buying big generators and um banging <laughs> diesel indoors yeah and so there was two things kind of that started happening towards the mid and late 90s um in terms of the grossing and a lot of those guys kind of parlayed their outdoor um harvests into indoor you know building big buildings buying yeah. big generators and, and buying shitloads of lights and uh bringing it all indoors so and getting four harvests uh, you know you know you know the, the gig. <laughs> so so you start off as a quasi weed arborist Right. Just chopping up and, and thing. Is that how high up were you on those trees? Going? Well, it varied. Obviously, some some of the uh, it depended on the tree type. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the tan oak was the most common, but there was also um, manzanita, which is basically just shrubs. Doesn't get that mm -hmm. tall, uh, so you can t kind of carve that out from the ground. And then um, there's also uh, madrone, and then madrone's kind of bigger and uh, a little bit of fur, a couple other things. So anywhere from five feet or on the ground to yeah. um, five to like 25 feet off the ground. But we were using climbing gear where we were tying ourselves into yeah. the trees yeah. and we had these cool still pruners. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it. It's still scary. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extension pruners <laughs> that extend like 10 or 15 feet out. And so we, we had all that stuff and, um, uh, I thought it was fun. Oh yeah, I had a blast. <laughs> had a and blast. then they, how did they get you to then manage the grows? Were they just like, hey, you're responsible? <laughs> well, at some point, you know, I would know who the owner of the of the situation was because that's who I was working for. Yeah. Usually, it was the owner running the job, you know, um, and they, they eventually would be ready to sort of turn the day to day operations over and. The manager is the, is the person who's taking care of the plants all year. Mm -hmm. And you have to check drippers every day mm -hmm. and uh, run the lines for leaks and all that kind of stuff. That's that's who's, that's who's the job of the manager. Just so, so that you don't come out and find all of your other plants dry to the bone, almost dying, and then one plant just swimming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and animals get in through the fence and... There's all kinds of stuff. You just don't even know. You have to go, you know, pretty much every day during the grow growing season and check check it because it's not at home. It's uh, in the middle of the fucking woods. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going for a hike every day, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little more uh, than that because you don't want trails in and out. No. You don't want your vehicle really seen when you're not with your vehicle. So kind of where and how you go in and park is important. So, I mean, I had several different scenes that I worked. And every time I did it, I had sort of a different kind of stealthy way to uh, to pull in with my vehicle and where to park it. So there, it was, it was covered from the sky because they were always flying. Yeah. And then I would have trails in that varied. So I never wore too much of a trail in going in and out. Um, so I think I had maybe three, three, maybe four different whole completely different scenes that were like that. Yeah. You know, so this particular one I'm talking about, I could go in in my truck 
and I would I would go right by it on the on the on the road and up and around the mountain and behind on some hunting roads that just kind of got smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> until I got to a place where I could like kind of pull up it would be on public land and leave my vehicle and then find my way down to where I needed to and it usually is uphill so I could walk down <laughs> Of course, at the end of the day, I'm walking back up. <laughs> After you've worked a long day, then you yeah. gotta walk uphill. Yeah, yeah, but little details like that, um, because everything was being scanned from the sky all the time, and there were uh, multiple times when the helicopter comes when you're out in the garden working and you gotta hide. <laughs> How does that feel? Um, it's intense. It's intense. Definitely. Uh. I never felt too too scared. I was around um, when they landed and were taking my weed one time. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't scary? No, I, w- I was scared. I had my dog with me. Yeah. And I had to keep her from barking. I was that was, ask, that like, was the scariest it. part, was just knowing that she could at any moment just let out enough of a bark that it would give me my location away. But... It was a really uh, heavy cover in this particular place. Yeah. So it was easy for me to stay out of sight. And there's helicopters flying around. So the noise is pretty easy to deal with, too. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. You know? But were they... S- <coughs> Pardon me. When they land like that, were they scanning the area for you? Or were they just immediately like, we don't care about it. We're just getting They're rid just of these looking plants. at the weed. Yeah. Yeah. Because what they'll do is they fly around and find the gardens... Sometimes they fly around only and mark them. They, you know, sometimes, I, I don't even know if they're doing this anymore. Yeah. They used to fly around and mark them on their GPS uh-huh. uh, and then come back later yeah. when they knew they would be mature um, or <laughs> where they yeah. may be able to catch somebody there. Yeah. Um, so if they would find, if they found people, they would arrest them, you know, yeah. try and corner them and stuff. Um. But this particular place was really well covered. And so I was uphill from where they were working, um, just hanging out in one spot, not making any noise, just listening and keeping my dog quiet. (laughs) How long were you up there? um, Probably an hour and a half. Okay, that's not too Two hours. No, that one wasn't, yeah, that one wasn't too bad. I also, that same scene I guarded um, one year from ripoffs uh-huh what what go into what guarding have you ever heard of that that idea for an outdoor <laughs> garden <laughs> <laughs> well no i've definitely done some guarding in my own time and yeah just okay. kind of sitting out <laughs> in tents and everything like oh that. yeah 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 um so yeah, yeah i'm Same aware thing. of it okay so yeah i mean it's it's the, again Everything, every place is different. Some places are in the fucking backyard, and it's really no big deal. Yeah. You don't have to worry about people just pulling up and cutting everything down and taking it. Um, but this particular place, it had had um, had been ripped off before I worked there. Yeah. And so um, that's how, the, again, the first year I worked there, it was as a guard. They needed people who were willing to sit out with a gun and basically make noise is essentially what i felt like i was there for yeah just create a presence Seems like a junkyard dog kind of yeah and i had the same dog i was talking about <laughs> yeah because the the year that they landed and took my shit was a few years after i first guarded that's how i got the job 
as the manager there. So I um, had my dog, and um, she would I would let her bark if there was anything. I mean, I'm like, that's why I was even felt like I could <laughs> shut my eyes because <laughs> I had her. So um, and she was an amazing. Uh, she was an Australian shepherd, and I knew her well enough to know that she wouldn't bark at animals that are walking through the woods, wow. that she would only dar- uh, uh, bark at people. And um, so I knew, or what she thought was people. Yeah. It was, I guess maybe she didn't know either. That, that was when she, she had was barking. a pretty good idea. Well, <laughs> well, big, I think probably Bigfoot may have a similar scent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that smells kind of human, right? It's, it's right. just right. human in the fourth dimension. That's right. all. <laughs> and for like two months. Yeah. You know, because the plants are mature enough at some point when they're still immature to be worth stealing. Yeah. Oh, the joys of that. There was a couple of times just like even being not too far outside of town is just hiding out with other farmers just, you know, because all of our farms were close. Close by, right. And we would just sit together off on the side of the road and just see like, who's that car coming down the road? Mm -hmm. What's that? (laughs) Right, right. And there's roads kind of nearby, but we kind of had something similar, but they were gated. Yeah. You know, and so no one's really supposed to be coming down our roads. We had a cabin where it was kind of our base and... This this particular scene was about a thousand acres worth of land that we were kind of ha- the gardens were spread out across that we kind of had to cover and there were about six of us that were guarding that year. Wow. wow. Yeah. So who who was coming to take? They just come in when the plants are about ready to harvest and cut them and bam. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not a ripoff, so I couldn't really tell you the details of how that all works. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm not. But my guess is that what they do is possibly stumble upon or scout the gardens out when they're not full of weed or yeah. or mature weed anyway. Uh-huh. Um, because the fences are there. There's fences year-round. Yeah. Um, and then the bags of soil are sit, sit there dormant in the wintertime and stuff like that. So they easily would have time when the growers are not around. The growers are in Mexico. <laughs> gotcha. And <laughs> so the neighbor kids, the 16, this is my guess, the 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds, you know, maybe a little younger, but they could be the kids whose parents are not growers. Yeah. Or whose parents are growers but won't let them participate for some reason. I don't know. And so... That's like one thought of mine, neighborhood kids. Yeah. Um, and then there's some there's some professionals, I think, that maybe even do some traveling to find, you know, they go around and ask the locals who's willing to give me some infi- inside info. Yep. On where some shit is, I'll pay you. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that happens too, but I think that's a lot less common. Yeah. Well, that's pretty ballsy to go in a region you don't un- you don't really know. I mean, just mm-hmm. coming from a mountainous yeah. region. It's well, like, it's more common closer to the Bay Area yeah, than that it makes is here in Humboldt. Like, so in Mendocino, there's more of that kind of bullshit that goes on. And then they go right back to city. And it's pretty obvious, too, because they come up in city cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, know I mean, you probably know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're from talking Tennessee, about. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the thing with... It was yeah. You knew who belonged and who didn't belong. It was very clear. Yeah. 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 And who and was there 
to pick up stuff and who would yeah sure and and the 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 culture it has definitely shifted i mean there was i was around before medicinal was uh-huh. legalized and then medicinal and then now so it's it's been different through each of those what do you think the best was probably the medicinal yeah yeah, for everybody. I I don't I don't think that for the um like the politics and sort of the reputation it was that all that great. Yeah. Um but but everybody involved who was willing to be, I think it was was lucrative for the growers and I think the the patients are getting what they wanted and what they needed and then the public had access and you know, if you at least in California and in the I think all the western states here. I was going to say I lived in Seattle around all that time and I was like yeah. I, I just I remember when I moved to Los Angeles there were shops everywhere and I thought that was awesome a lot of mom and pop stuff just everywhere and yeah. now and I've been there 7 years it's like it's a handful of places. Yeah, and it's a lot more corporate now. Even it's though, all corporate, yeah. Yeah, even though they tried to not let that happen in California, it d- didn't really work. And it's it's pretty obvious why. Yeah. It costs a lot of money to get started, and you have to plan on losing money for a few years and stuff like that. So um, it's and not it's easy. it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, you really uh, – it takes a few years, uh, or a, a, we'll say a few harvests. Yeah. Um, to just get your feet under you to be able to figure out how the fuck to keep, um, well, I mean, keeping, it's a weed. You can keep it alive. But to how to make To make some... it good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that's what I say a lot. Is yeah. Like, like, I, it's, it's, it'll live. It'll do it'll live. Day. Yeah. But I'm not, people are like, you grew this? And I'm like, well, I was around while it was growing. <laughs> when I tell people. Yeah. And people, a lot of people think you can jump in and. Especially these days, I'm sure with YouTube that you can jump in and just, yeah, it can't be too hard. It is and it isn't. Uh huh. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. And it get, it's real easy until it gets real hard. <laughs> my favorite, well, oh, my favorite moment. It's was, easy to get behind the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I sent uh, Mike. This is a couple of years ago. I sent Mike picture after my first harvest we had just harvested and i was like yo check this out and he just sent this very vague like yeah you're halfway done i didn't understand i was like bullshit look at this stuff and then the curing process we fucked up this thing we <laughs> fucked up that thing. i just remember like looking at one thing i was like i know what mike was talking about <laughs> this is not- yeah getting it to harvest is only halfway really <laughs> <laughs> just i just remember that moment like we've done it and then a month and a half later like we didn't do it. We did some of it. When you were yeah. managing the scenes out in the forest, what was harvest like? <laughs> yeah, it <was> fun. Yeah. <laughs> he got so excited. That, that was a giddy laughter. Oh, and his his whole <laughs> yeah, harvest is fun because there's a couple times a year where you got to hire labor, huh? and so it kind of turns into a big party in a, in a lot of ways, you know. Um, but the you know the first scene that I ended up managing where we would hang out in the trees a lot yeah um, when we were growing in the shade <laughs> um, on that one the owner liked to um, we would fill bag you know uh, contractor bags with fresh weed all day long throw them in in the truck and then he liked the crew to get on it uh, for the ride home because he liked all of it to get kind of smashed what. Because it was 
shade-grown weed, and the only way it got any density to it is to smash it when it was fresh and then dry it. <laughs> if you guys want, you can stamp on it like berries for wine. That's what I was just thinking. Like somebody walked up and like, I think they're making wine in the back of the truck. We would, yeah. So the truck would be full of black bags, and then we would all climb on the black bags for the ride home, and then um, pull it out and hang it right away yeah um to dry and yeah and then uh, you know many times in the rain because when the rains come it's time to harvest you don't get your ass out yeah yeah. yep so i remembered that a lot too (laughs) she was out in the rain rain gear yep boots in the mud if it's really raining hard a lot of times the first couple rains aren't too bad um and and you know you don't want to be behind the mold. You got to be a- ahead of the mold. So, yeah. so a lot of times the first, as soon as you see the first inkling of of some bud mold, yeah, you just harvest, it's or too, at yeah. least that strain, yeah, um, for outdoor for sure for outdoor, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And and sometimes that's before. It's usually after the first kind of. You know, even a light rain, a few few days of damp mornings, kind of thing. I'm sure you know up up north in or in Oregon, it's the worst. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just like okay, we're gonna start flower. All right, here's a hundred percent humidity. Just go and sit, <laughs> and it's like cool, you guys. Mm-hmm, just dripping water. Well, and that's the it. hard part too. Is it like most of Oregon, you know, mountainous region type of thing, you know, and especially where we're at. You know, in the mornings during the fall, it's just all fog. Yeah. It's just all dense fucking fog. Right, the river valleys mm -hmm. filled with fog, yeah. And then it dries out in the afternoon and gets sunny, and that's actually the worst for Mm -hmm. mold is when it gets wet, dries, wet, dries, wet, dries. That's when you start getting into the Yeah, well, the heat, the afternoon sun, you get some dampness and then a little warmth going along, and the mold goes, woo, this is what I like. (laughs) Yeah, this is my favorite. (laughs) Everybody else is like, no! Yeah, and that's especially in to, on the coast here too. Uh, for you know, even down here, um, like my backyard here, as soon as I see mold, it's got to all come all right. down. We're done. Because you only see some of what's it's like an there. iceberg. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's the stuff you don't see where you're not. You're like, oh, that's a beautiful huge cola. Why is that one leaf a little brown and shriveled up? Oh, fuck, the whole thing's the whole ruined. Thing's <laughs> yep. yep, the one leaf told you. That sounds awful. <laughs> Away until we talk about caterpillars and what they do inside of the buns. <laughs> they make a transformation uh-huh. into beauty. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that I find interesting about how, you know, what's happened during the whole time I've been here with them growing is the pests have kind of changed. And there's now more, and they're more virulent than they were um, 25 years ago. There's no question. What do you think that's from? You know, I don't know. I I do the um, uh, the latest um, russet mites. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of conspiracy theories about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's no question about that. Um, But the one that I've heard that seems maybe like it makes sense is. it's, everyone wants to blame it on PG&E. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, it's their Have fault. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so so one <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> well so i managed a grow shop for six years oh okay so when 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 new things pop up everybody's like you know how this actually came around <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny and i mean there's correlation causation you be the judge type of thing but it was um the same type of bug that hit cannabis all of a sudden they had also at the same time been putting out roadside to help uh fight back against you know ditch weed and other stuff like that you know to help oh eat it. okay well and then all of a sudden it's a big problem in cannabis and people it took a while to, f- to get a handle on how to deal with it effectively because it's a really it's a bitch man those russet mites are a fucking bitch and a lot of times you just don't know you have it for too long yeah they're microscopic four of them can fit on the leg of a fruit fly okay so that's really small (laughs) okay what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) so then by the time you know you have it because it presents as a nutrient deficiency in your plants that's what really messes with people is it looks like it's normal nutrient issues that you would just come across with a seemingly healthy crop of plants where, you know, every strain has different uh, needs, mm-hmm. you know. And so you're going to see variations if you grow in different strains and what things need. Some plants are going to say, I'm, I'm a little short on calcium right now. That's one of the things that when they have russet mites, they show that they have a calcium deficiency. And any kind of a seasoned grower would be like, oh, look, I've got some calcium. I can just throw we'll some give, of that We'll give it, it a foliar. Boom. It usually takes two days. And then it, you get too much. But then it doesn't help. And you're like, well, oh, maybe it wasn't calcium. What else looks like a calcium deficiency? And you start racking your brain and never think of russet mites. Until <laughs> it's too late. Until it's too late. smoking a cigarette. Gotcha, bitch. And then the only things that really deal with it, too, is sulfur. And then if you have to spray your plants with sulfur, then your extracts taste like boo-boo. And then you got to deal with the devil. Yep. And then he's... He's a, he's a tough well, plus, if you put sulfur on your plants, you also can't use any oils mm-hmm. uh, within weeks. Which we- is the only thing that beats other types of pests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you go to try and fight one pest and then open yourself up to other pests. It just sounds like you guys are trying to have a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Where you just say, like, and then we opened ourselves up to this, and then Sit this. Sit and talk about it. Yeah. This is gross shop. <laughs> I can understand what was happening. That's why I tried to reel it back in with a joke. It's hard, too, because you get more than two growers in the I'm, room together, and I'm sure you've been around it more than once. It is lit, like <laughs> when him and uh, Foxmeat were talking last time, you can listen to it on the episode. I literally go, fellas. Stop. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, the, they keep changing. Uh, back, back, way back, uh, when I first started, I don't even really remember pest problems until everyone started banging their, their diesel generators and moving stuff indoors. Really? That's mm-hmm. kind of the start of the... Uh, you know, there was no powdery mildew. There wasn't spider mites. There wasn't russet mites. There wasn't, I mean, you might get some aphids. Yeah. <laughs> but aphids are on everything. That's. Yeah. <laughs> we talked yeah, about Yeah, we talked about <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> one of the correlations, causations that could go along with that is that is back 
it was a lot of land race type of stuff. It was a lot of plants that were right. strong and mighty true. on their own. True that, yeah. True ones. And then we just kept breading it and very, you know. Oh, like we did with dogs? And yeah. it makes them real weak? Yeah, or cats. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, like we did, like we're, because bulldogs. Bulldogs. Uh, we're going to breed them until they can't. <laughs> yeah, we so overbred them. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you yeah. buy a bulldog, you're like, here's some, here's the. Here's some health problems. It eats a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's, an, here's an expensive project. Yeah. <laughs> so then going from being out in the woods, what led you to go and then be inside? Well, uh, I got offered to help grow with a generator um, right at the end of the 90s, right when I, my oldest child was around four and getting ready to go to school yeah and i was making the decision that, that i was telling you about earlier and um and then at the same time someone's like hey i'm gonna build something and i'd like you to partner with me um and so i'm like okay here, here it is you know are you gonna make the deal to me it was a deal with the devil i this isn't it wasn't my style it isn't it wasn't my it didn't feel right to me huh. to have to burn diesel to grow weed I, they it just canceled it all out in my opinion what the fuck good is it anymore yeah. so because part of the beauty is that you throw a seed in the ground and then there's sunlight and water required and that's really it mm -hmm. and that's the bottom line and some love and some loving you know yeah. and so and then it gives back right. and there's this reciprocal circular relationship that goes on when it does get complicated as you know it can get complicated because you got to trim trees and hide <laughs> from the <laughs> land and all that stuff but um, well, the, well humans made that complicate you're right the plant it, it, exactly make that the plant the, the plant's just there going hey you just feed me some food and some water and some love and some sunlight and, <laughs> and then i'll just give it right back and, then and then why are you up at tree <laughs> <laughs> so so adding in the diesel generators didn't make any sense to me so so but of course i had to compromise somewhere i'm you having do, a kid uh, right so i move try. north i move out of southern humble and up to um trinidad other end of the county yeah um rented a uh a little apartment across the street from where my baby mama was living um and started growing hydroponically i had a friend that was like dude i got a formula <laughs> <laughs> i got it all figured out I, I you ain't gotta worry about that would have been like man i didn't i didn't get in this to do math dude. <laughs> yeah and he's like dude i can get you two pounds per thousand hydroponically Here's the deal, you know, da 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 da. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, because I, I had the little money to invest, I could do this. I was ready. So I did that. So it took me a couple runs. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was gonna ask, like, what? Well, not as easy as I said it was going to be. <laughs> I keep doing the formula, dude. <laughs> no, I still have, like, look, I think it's right here. This kind of shit sitting around. See? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the pH pen. <laughs> another one. Because I never trusted them damn things. <laughs> you got to have multiple one. ones. <laughs> All the pH pens. pH, uh, PPM, uh -huh. you know, temperature, all the crap for the water. So so just to be a dork, because I can be a dork on this podcast. Because you can be a dork all the time, man. I don't care. <laughs> I like you. But so when you talk about a diesel-operated grow, just as somebody who likes old grows as some people like old classic cars, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. what did it look like? What did it feel like? What was it? Um. Okay, well, let's see. So when I did the... 
the the diesel the first time I grew in a diesel grow it wasn't until after I moved up to Trinidad and did this hydroponic yeah. system I was talking about and then um, you know time wore on and I wanted a better job I wasn't making enough money um, I did graduate from the massage therapy school mm. and have a massage therapy practice <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> air quotes, air quotes. Um, <laughs> but i do i did have clients and i was making some money that way um but i wasn't making enough and i wasn't you know my little indoor things they're up and down and sometimes it's hard to move weed there's you know yeah. there's all these challenges uh it doesn't fit sometimes in like the the uh I guess the cycles of society, as you know, any farmer understands, you, it, it's it can be very challenging, especially on a yearly cycle. Like if you get one harvest, yeah. maybe two harvests in a in a full year, man, you have a couple bad harvests in a row, and it fucks you up. It does. Well, people <laughs> don't understand farming is is not a job; it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. I yeah. don't think they understand. It's like it's like certain jobs aren't jobs. They are lifestyles. Where yeah. it's like you're my it took my mother and father a while to figure out that as you know, they think as a stand up comedian I work for an hour, two hours a night. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, ten years in my dad goes, Oh, you're kinda working all the time. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a yeah. Yeah, you're always kind of on the phone or looking for something or or you, writing or writing <laughs> and then or traveling and all this stuff between pl- yeah yeah you know, where you're like yeah I mean you do all this stuff for that one hour yeah and it's like that it's but I was saying this earlier in another interview is that when I found cannabis not smoking it I always knew I mean from it was the only substance. The first time I did, I was like, oh, I'm never not going to do this. Like, drinking everything else, I was like, this has a place, and I will eventually stop doing this. I don't love it. But then when I accidentally grew uh, my first plant, that's when it became very clear to me that, like, oh, there's something more to this than I ever knew. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go into this. I knew my place wasn't growing immediately. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I'll I will always grow because I like it and it makes it betters me. But I was like, there's something to do with this plant. I really want to be a part of it because I think it can change things. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe that too. And I'm I don't totally say that lightly. You. And as a comedian, it's weird to be sincere. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like I've tra- you know you train yourself not to be because it's like you're just trying to be funny. Right, because that's not funny. No, right. it's not. Sincerity is just not that funny. No, and but it is genuine. And yeah. when I say it, but there's a part of me every time I get very genuine, I'm like, don't make fun of me for doing this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it is like I do. There's. Well, you got to be vulnerable also as it's, a comedian. That's that part, part of it. doesn't bother me at all. You make fun of me, but when I'm being sincere, <laughs> that's a vulnerability Sincer- I don't like. <laughs> that's uh, a weird vulnerability. Yeah, Awkward. But I do think there's something to this plant that can save. Not Earth. Earth will be fine. Right. Earth will be fine. It we, it could save humanity. Yeah. Because humanity is. It's time is running up unless we make some monumental foundational changes. Well, I really believe that um, we have a lot of history with um, the cannabis plant that we've sort of um, moved away from or forgotten about in that um, 
it, it, to me personally, it seems really obvious because we have receptors in our body and not just for the THC to make us high, but for the CBDs and all the other, you know, wonderful chemicals that happen to be yes. combined together into cannabis. And then behind you, the, you know, I have that poster of, of the uh, terpene science that's new in the last, whatever, decade, and it's at least related to cannabis. And that's really right there, I think, where the true healing um, properties come from, or at least uh, the synergistic properties. Yeah. It's, um, it's just scratching the surface on what we don't even understand of this plant medicinally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and emotionally and, and psychologically. If we would have wiped out most of the natives, I bet they could have told us. <laughs> <laughs> well, humans like to reinvent the wheel and partnerships with plants. I, I guess. know they do. We're <laughs> assholes. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you want to say that? You say that. I don't that. mean it judgmentally. I just it's a fact. Yeah. It's, no, I have to agree that uh, it's. It's a tumultuous history. Yes. We'll just say it that way. Well, I was like, what I like to talk about is the first time I smoked it and got really stoned, I had the same confusion after I harvested for the first time. Oh. Where it was like that kind of thing of like, you guys are lying about all this. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the fact that I could throw one seed in my little backyard garden and do as little as I, I did on purpose, as little as I could. To see what I could get. Yeah. And then yeah. I got some decent stuff. Not yeah. a lot, but a little bit. And well, I was Tennessee, like, I mean, it grows in the ditch off the side of the road, yeah, right? It does. It does. <laughs> but this is in L.A. Oh, I okay. They take your they take your boat away in Tennessee. <laughs> um, Not that. Well, they, the Tennessee Highway Patrol has a semi truck that they've. It says. Tennessee Highway, because there's a law in Tennessee that if they prove that anything they catch drugs in or try to prove that you're using whatever for drugs, they can seize all of it. Uh-huh. So they got houses, they got they got people's cars. It's wow. robbery is what <laughs> it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, <laughs> but the whole, I was just as confused. I got more monumentally confused. And then ang- righteously angry that we could make a plant illegal. That is insanity. Like the definition of it. Where we're like, no, this, especially, can you imagine being a Christian and everything is from God? And then being like, not except for that except plant. Except that one, right. And you're like, what the <clears throat> fuck is wrong with you? There's a lot. I'm sorry I'm preaching, but this no, thing no. is very frustrating to it's me. It's extremely like, frustrating. And it's we've been in the home and this on the front lines of people like you and these people we've met that fought to keep this thing going. Yeah. And it's I think it's way more important than people realize. And you and a lot yeah. of you guys are very humble about what you're doing because you're having fun doing it too. It takes a certain <laughs> type of personality. Well, and like you said, it's sort of a it's a lifestyle. Honestly, I've always done it in a lot of ways because I wanted to see it legalized. Yeah. And there's a lot of my friends who don't, didn't. They were against that because that was their livelihood. Yeah. And it was a pretty lucrative one for a lot of people. And 
for me now I could I wasn't in that place where it was extremely lucrative for me personally but that was also somewhat by choice not wanting to risk my safety and my family through the early years and being like I really I can stay at a certain level and yeah. be happy and you know raise my kids and not also risk them losing me to prison essentially yeah. or being taken away by the state or whatever might might happen so i tried to keep myself from you know kind of growing to the point where i would be a, a magnet of attention yeah, know, a beacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's kind of nice that way when you do it though <laughs> yeah and at the same time it's at some point i unable i was unable to um keep making it work you know, and so now uh, it's been mm, over 10 years since I wow. got out, you know. What was that like then? Uh, you know, there were a lot of things going on. Um, uh, but one of them is that the inconsistency of, of you know, the income and having to make mortgage payments and um, credit card bills and having, you know, Having everybody pissed because it's three months between payments, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, Guys, I'll get you next harvest. Just chill out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry. I'll, I got you. I got I you. Got you. <laughs> just wait. Oh just shit! The analog <laughs> timer didn't work out. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> they hermed out. Can you wait another three months? So anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like being a comedian. You're like, hey, no one is booking me right now. <laughs> I bet right now, especially. Holy well, shit. no, I knew ahead of time uh, <laughs> what was happening. So, uh, so yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? Um, and getting out. Of you were getting, oh, out. getting out. So, just... so uh, I have a couple of friends locally um, who were, you know, getting into the hydroponic business end of of stuff. And so, my one friend started a, a storefront, and um, and eventually started a distribution company and the distribution company was small and young and, and my friend was really really busy so i basically hounded him for a couple of weeks one summer i'm like you know what i'm gonna go bother steve for a job <laughs> <laughs> so i dropped by every day and he's you know most of the time was too busy to talk to me but eventually he sat down and talked to me and was like okay i'll give you a job what, so what was the wholesale company? Uh, Humboldt Wholesale. I Humboldt used wholesale. to buy nutrients from them. That's who I bought um, the uh, house, house and, and garden, garden. Mm -hmm. and then also uh, the Ballast. mag amp and stuff like oh, that. Oh sure, from yeah. uh, from uh, uh, shoot. Well, there's Mad Farmer. Yep. Um, and that's the, the Moab and all that yeah. great stuff that yeah. we bought from them. Yeah, so Humboldt Wholesale has exclusive distribution rights to a number of products and also owns the production and distribution of, of um, those ballasts. For example, Global Greenhouse Lighting Ballast is owned by the same owners. Cool. So anyway, he um, hired me uh, um, to do basically what he was doing, which was sales. Yeah. So he could move on to growing his company. So that was... <laughs> What year was that? I would say, shoot, 05 or 06 um, when I started working there. And I worked there for a few years. And one of the things, it was a, a good company to work for. Yeah. Um, 
the the products sold themselves. I didn't have to <laughs> do a lot of yeah. Your guys' catalog seemed awesome. It seemed like it was very much the family oriented kind of like yeah. homey stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and my job was to keep the um this the stores, the hydroponic stores that we were dis- distributing to keep keep them happy. That was my job. So I would travel. Um, every other week, I'd go on a road trip to different parts of the country to visit stores, and I got to show up and hand them free samples, and then <laughs> and train their employees or do whatever they needed, you know, to bring them up to speed with the products that we sold. And then um, when I was home, I would answer the helpline. So if you ever <laughs> called the 800 number that's on the feeding chart back in the 90s, that was me answering the phone. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I like that there's going to be listeners like, I talked to him. I talked to him. I know that guy. <laughs> I knew that voice sounded uh, not familiar. Not the 90s, sorry. The 2000s. I totally missed a the decade. The 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> the late 2000s. The aughts. The aughts. That's crazy, though. But, yeah, I mean, so my family has a grow shop up in Eugene. Oh, and, okay. Uh, you know, we were buying regularly from you guys. We were buying a shit ton because there was a collective up there called the House and Garden Crew, and we were selling a shit ton of their products. So. Okay, cool. So are you familiar with Family Hydroponics? Familiar with Family Hydroponics? No. It's, a, um, it's, a ch- it's not a chain. It's a... Um, uh, What's franchise? A, it's a franchise of hydroponic stores. Huh. And um, that is, it, if you, the family hydroponics stores are tied into Humble Wholesale yeah. in terms of they kind of carry, or actually basically I think required to carry a certain <laughs> amount of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was on the East Coast for a small amount of time, I worked with uh, HTG. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, all their stores are connected and, you know, have yeah. to use that specific wholesaler. And yeah. Stuff, so. so yeah, there's a lot of that going on in the, in that industry. And when I was working at Humboldt Wholesale, that they grew really quickly, Yeah. you know, from I think six or seven when I started to, by the time I left, it was around 20 nice. or 22 people or so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what time did you leave at? It was before 2010, so uh, I think in early 2009 or so. And I was in the middle of a divorce and stuff when I left. Um, When I started there was my wife was going through chemotherapy. Oh, wow. At that time, yeah, for breast cancer. And that was part of the thing was we needed a consistent income. Especially during something like that. Yeah, yeah. And a consistent presence, probably, too. Yeah, well, I mean, being a grower, I was able to, um, by the time I lived in Trinidad, everything was at home. Okay. I I didn't have to travel as much, although um, eventually I had both my Trinidad and this thing going Uh at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah, so I was coming here every day, every other day, um, and I had a renter in the house. And then I was living in Trinidad, and I had a uh, my garage going there, and then I had a outbuilding like a shed uh-huh. that was also going, and the shed turned into the start setup, and then and then that was supplying the, these two and the That's other one. That's a shit ton of work. 
Yeah, that was about right for me. <laughs> that was, it was a full-time job. There's no question. But my hours, I was able to be around my kids and stuff. I could form my hours around my family. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was awesome. Well, and that's why I tried to get to a lot of people is, you know, there was some franchise grows, you know, back in the day in Eugene involving the house and garden crew. But a lot of it was just single mothers and Mm. single parents, just like Mm -hmm. our garages grow. Yeah. And we do this, but we're able to spend this time with our family. And I think that's one of the overlooked things is it helped a lot of people just as supplemental income or their income and allowed them to spend more time with their children, you know, and to be yeah. able to be parents in the best ways possible. Yeah. And so I have three daughters, um, actually four, uh, now that I've got married this last February for the second time. And, Congratulations. Um, that, that came with another bonus daughter. Nice. Hey. All right. So, um, you know, those three girls, yeah, I was around to be able to take them to school and pick them up, do sports, you know, um, and be in their lives, you know, all, all the time. And their mom, too, you know. So, um, at you know, at the point where I had to start going to a full-time job and their mom was a little bit sick, you know, there were challenging times. Yeah. Um, but they were getting a little older by then. So at this point, the youngest is 21 years old. So Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. You look great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do they know what dad used to do? Oh, yeah. Are they in the industry at all? Um, my middle daughter uh, works at Bear. Oh, yeah. Oh. We, inter- we interviewed uh, Schimmel from Bear. Okay. He's um, great. Yeah, dude. one of my friends is one of the founders of Bear. Cool. Um, Justin Gaffney. Awesome. Gaffney. Uh, yeah, I, I I really don't know the guys there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all. don't. We just know Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, uh, yeah, she's been working there for I don't know, year and a half now, something like that. She has a couple little babies. I'm a grandfather. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then my oldest is 27, and she's in Eugene. Jewelry maker extraordinaire. Yeah. We'll link to that on the yeah, podcast. We're gonna link that <laughs> yeah, we'll link to all that. We have a lot of Eugene listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give her a shout-out. Tree. Hey, Tree Mariah. Tree Mariah Jewelry is her um, Perfect. company. Yeah. <laughs> Look them up, Eugene. Look them up and buy some, because as we were talking outside, Holiday Market is where they work at, and the Holiday mm-hmm. Market in Eugene's fantastic. Oh, cool. And she has her own website, too. But yeah. Yes, she does. She's got a booth at the Holiday Market each uh, holiday time in Eugene. That's dope. Which is fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun to go to. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for sharing our story. It's you. We got to, I mean, everybody we talk to, there's... There's some overlapping things that I think need to be repeated, yeah. which is great. And then everyone we talk to, there's like new aspects to this thing where you're talking about like I used to climb the trees and shit. <laughs> and I, was just, I was just sitting here and be like, motherfucker. Definitely haven't had that story. No, it's, <laughs> it's so great. And then you guys, it's also funny to listen to the stories because what you guys think is kind of boring or whatever, you'll say nonchalant, and I'll be over here being like, that was crazy. I, was <laughs> I can't believe you did that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's, just, uh, it's funny. It's true, because it, it, it's like that. And I think the Humboldt culture has something that um, is hard to put your finger on, and it's something we've all talked about for a long time, 
yes. around here. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's an aspect of, like I said, Wild West, sort of freedom, sort of kind of do your own thing at your own pace. And I think farmers kind of have that same yes, they do. attitude yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and, and No matter what they're farming. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because when I did transfer out of um, being a grower, I did I, I noticed a big lifting of um, of a weight off my shoulders of um, allowing myself to not be on twenty four seven. Yeah, because <laughs> I did feel like it's a hustle. It is. That's where that's what the quarantine has done for me as a stand up. That's interesting. You mentioned that is like. I have gotten stuff balanced that I've never had balanced in my adult life because I don't have to constantly worry about where I'm getting booked or what these travel arrangements or what the weather is like or how are these ticket sales going. Some stuff that I really can't control, but you have to be aware of. Sure. But it's 24-7. Yeah, it's being on. And on. now I worry about the podcast and this other stuff. And I know when stand-up comes back, it'll come back, and I'm fine with that. But I have all these other things now, and it's it is nice. You're that's yeah. you saying that that was a nice thing for me, where I was like, it just gave me that thing of like, that's why I'm like, I'm figuring out all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because it does it frees up a bunch of energy that I didn't realize until the weight was lifted. Yeah, that was being taken up that I that I that I had available to free up yeah. even you know yeah. pretty interesting and and um so for me that it was a big eye opening thing and then now that everything's changed and it's legal and I can grow in my yard <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you don't have to climb that tree unless you want to <laughs> no, right and it doesn't have to be in the shade I have this little greenhouse back here I don't know if you guys noticed yeah, yeah I did but yeah. Um, I saw the fox farm <laughs> And also, like, after we walked, we were both at our cars, and we both just that kind of tired because we're like, oh, we still have to drive a million hours home. <laughs> and it's like the sun's going down over the ocean. You can see it in Eureka a little bit, and you're just like, it might go, is there anything in your car we need, I need? And we're both like, I was like, oh. I don't think so. I gotta go. We should go. Then... You did leave something in my car that made me very nervous because I don't like crossing state lines with t-shirts because you left one of the Huckleberry Farms t-shirt in my car. Oh, I was uh, not happy about leaving. I remembered that about 45 minutes south that I left that loud t-shirt in your car. And I was like, son of a Oh shit! Did I name the farm that we're gonna interview later? Okay, but shh. that's okay. If they want to hunt, they can't. They can hunt. Go find them. But yes, that was a fantastic kind of end to this little 
part deuce of Humboldt because like you were saying we were just down in fucking southern Humboldt the whole time and then we reemerge out of the woods back into town in Eureka and we're like what's going on there it was it was it made me laugh that I had made fun of them for talking like that but it is like there is like it's jarring for just a little bit we're like all right everyone needs to slow down just a little bit this is like and then you're like oh yeah this is not so i'm probably it's probably good that we both went back to eureka before going back to where we're (laughs) well let's be honest eugene's just like a slightly bigger eureka but (laughs) it is yes but i okay i guess for me it was probably good that we went back to eureka to remind me like hey man you're gonna go to somewhere real scary here in a minute. <laughs> if this is, if you live there. That's your house. That's your. That life. was the ba- the day I got back though. Like the next day, like there was like even during COVID, it was still like, why is everybody driving around? What is this? And you're like, this is not anything, dude. What this is normally like. No, it's but insane. Just, the Brad was so cool. You could tell like. We didn't, neither of us wanted to leave. Like, he was like, let's just hang out. He had that vibe, too, where he's like, you want to hang out? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's talking he, about his brother. His brother's in the business. It was cool. Yeah. Such an idyllic, even just house that he had. It was like this gorgeous little small house, you know, but with like cozy and shit like that. Had a nice little oh, greenhouse. It was a home. Yeah. No, it was like enviable where you're just like, hey, man, do you need. You need a roommate? If I could ever go on the run, I just live at your house. I'm just gonna squat here. No, <laughs> yeah. He said, like, "You ain't gonna squat. You get in this house." Uh, uh, but thank you, Brad, for for showing us a wonderful time. And I mean, he was a massage therapist, and really didn't even he didn't deal I like that i think he knew like if we start talking about that you guys that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> but i'll but talk about me being an arborist and cleaning up the unders of trees so that we can just, do shade growing <laughs> yes that was just like some fucking special forces shit where you're just like oh yeah i forget you guys are all lunatics this is awesome <laughs> But you don't talk about it like you're lunatics. You're like, yes, I used to climb in redwoods and trim them. And so we grow weed underneath because the helicopters with guns would come. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I moved out here to do massage therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I forget. I forget I'm in Humboldt. You seem normal. And then you start talking. You're like, oh, yeah, we're still in Humboldt. Just even the story of hiding from the the cops cutting down that one grove with his little dog him just hiding in the woods like it was just like a tuesday which was just like yeah me and my dog have to like just we have to hide and i tried to keep it quiet it's good we met him if we ever need to hire somebody like that his blood his fucking heartbeat blood pressure didn't change at all even telling the story he's like yeah it's like i was just worried the dog might give me away i like that dog you're just like ah you're cool you're cool what are you growing mike what am i growing um right right now at this moment we have the blueberry shortcake does it taste like blueberries yeah it smells exactly like blueberries blueberries it's one of our higher testing ones so that's always kind of cool um 
it's like so pungent though that once you get close to it like it makes your eyes wince a little bit it's just such a bright blueberry smell to it um so that runs finishing up here pretty soon we just did all the room switches and everything so that's always an extremely busy day um but yeah we moved up the trop two and the ice cream Ooh. cake and the OCT is the n- next room behind the BB. Uh, if I was like, if I was gonna plan a trip to Eugene, Oregon, to buy some some blueberry shortcake from King's Cannabis, when would be a good time to plan that trip? Like another month from now. That's the whole thing. Is it all takes so long? Like they're just no, now. That's fine. I got. Well, I think we all got time. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news. Well, but we'll we'll find out later this week if we still have time. <laughs> ah, we do. Um, <laughs> I okay. So like a month. That's good to know. Yeah. That's actually amazing we're j- timing. We're just now getting the max uh, stomper. We're about to buck that down. So, you know, it's been it's been about two weeks now of it hanging and slow curing and drying type of thing. That's so impressive what you do, dude. How you've got like and then and we talked about this in the new Grow Your Own, which will be out this week too, I think. Um is I have to redo a couple of my fucking plans. For the for the my my little grow tent room, because Mike pointed out a couple of things that I was doing that I didn't even consider. It's just this whole thing. You guys check out the Patreon if you want to. They're great. It, it's very affordable. Mike's teaching me how to grow and teaching you how to grow through me. And believe me, if you can fuck it up, I'm gonna fuck it up. <laughs> so you're gonna learn every step. And then the bonus episodes we got going are great, too. I know you guys are like, stop talking about the Patreon. You're like, shut up. We just gave you a dope-ass episode for free, <laughs> so just chill. Okay? So we got to get back up to Southern Humboldt to, f- to do more of this season because doors keep, well, gates keep opening for us. <laughs> and we're not but even having to run out of the car and open them up. It's crazy. It is nice. It is nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Nice callback. I love you guys. Grow your own. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you, Slee. You the man, Slee.